0: You're listening to the Retail Perch with Sheikha Rahman and Gary Hawkins.
1: We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more.
0: Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Retail Perch. I know it seems like only yesterday since we did the last episode, but it's been over a month, Gary. <laughs> Uh, it's been a lot of traveling so uh, and I'm sure you've been out as well right so uh,
1: yes yeah I know it's it's hard to believe it's been a month and it's also hard to believe that it's now the first of May that is right is that's right
0: so in between the last episode and this episode I've been to a couple of countries and a few cities and seen a lot of people it <laughs> hasn't been any time for an episode here but we're glad to be back here again with Gary and for those those of you who are listening and not watching this on YouTube, you'd find that Gary and I have kind of matched up on our colors today on <laughs> uh, on this episode. But that aside, today uh, we don't have a real guest. We're going to have a virtual guest. And, uh, and the virtual guest is somebody that you guys all know very, very well by the stage. Uh, it's our dear friend, ChatGPT. GPT. And so Gary, I guess we're gonna welcome ChatGPT to our conversation.
1: That's right, that's right. I don't think uh, ChatGPT will be sharing a cup of coffee with us, but it should make for a fascinating uh, discussion here.
0: Yeah, so what we're gonna do today is maybe I will take a couple of minutes just to give you some basics about ChatGPT. And then we're gonna ask ChatGPT a series of questions uh, tied to retail. And then we're gonna find out where it does well and where we know it fails. And we've actually identified a few things where you know you could go wrong if you're using ChatGPT. I know a lot of you guys maybe have kids, maybe they're in college and they're excited about ChatGPT because they're getting their homeworks done a whole lot faster <laughs> than they ever did before, You know, especially if they're about writing essays. But there are some things that you can't trust it for yet. Uh, and of course, it's only been what five months, Gary, since we heard about ChatGPT. Yes, it's but open to the public, right?
1: Yeah, but it's uh, become pretty uh, widely known and widely used in those five months.
0: And it seems like uh, you know a lot of the literature that we're reading nowadays is everybody's exploring the impact of AI, and suddenly the whole idea that geez, this AI thing is real and it's not just some buzzword that we've yeah. been using. Yeah. Is yeah. all here, right?
1: No, that's right. I I think what's happened is for the first time, a lot of business executives and others have been able to experience AI themselves, right? Going on and using it, and through that process, it's brought AI into the boardroom, right? Where you know executives now are saying, hey what are we doing in AI, and we need to be doing this, this, and this, right? So it's it's caused this explosion in activity.
0: Yeah, and I would say it's something close to what the internet did. I mean, I think the internet obviously transformed our lives completely by connecting us, uh, but ChatGPT does something else. I mean, at least, or technologies like its kind, uh, they kind of make the universe of knowledge accessible to anybody and everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it it really is. And, you know, yeah, we're going to talk today about some of the limitations of it. Um, uh, But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the first time I went on and began asking questions, and it almost developed into a dialogue back and forth, right? Because I would ask another question based on whatever the response was. So it became almost almost like a, a conversation. And when I got done and sat back, it, you know it really struck me. It was like almost like Star Trek's computer had come to life.
0: Absolutely. And I'm you know while you're saying that, Gary, I'm just telling Chat GPT that uh, you'll be participating in an episode of the Retail Purge a podcast about retail, tech, and trends. And uh, it says, that sounds great. I'm always happy to talk about retail, techs, and trends. What topics will we be discussing on the podcast episode? So that's uh, chat, GPT. wish it had a voice. But I am going to shortly share the screen so we can, you know, so you guys who are watching this on YouTube can actually see this as well. But uh, maybe before I, I do that, quick, quick uh, foundation here about you know what these uh chat gpt bots are and i see a lot of companies starting to integrate uh chat gpt into their applications and yeah. i think we've heard in the retail side you know companies like instacart trying to use it yes. and i think the idea is how can we improve search how can we improve recommendations to shoppers and the like right. but uh Having said that, so if if I were to give you a one minute overview, for those of you who don't know how the inner workings of ChatGPT works, here's how it goes. So essentially ChatGPT is using uh, an AI model called Transformers, uh, which was based on a paper released in 2016 by some engineers at Google, uh, which said, attention is is all you need. Uh, That was the foundational paper that generated these kinds of algorithms. And what ChatGPTA really is, it's it's called a large language model. So it's been trained on consuming a huge corpus of text, uh, in this case based on the open internet, and then understanding the relationships between words, and then based on a prompt, resulting in text that makes most sense based on the words that it has learned. Right? All the relationships. So it's I think it's very clear to. uh, I want to make it very clear. It's not a search engine. It's not a fact finding engine. It's a language model that just generates language, which it thinks makes sense. And we're going to show you some examples of where, you know, it obviously fails. So uh, Gary, what what do you, I'm going to, I'm going to invite ChatGPT here to our conversation here. What is the first question you'd like to
1: so let's ask, how powerful is pers- marketing personalization in retail?
0: How powerful is marketing? It says, marketing personalization is a powerful tool in retail that can help businesses to connect with customers on a more individual level. By personalizing marketing messages, retailers can create a more relevant and engaging experience for customers, leading to increased customer loyalty, higher conversion rates, and improved overall revenue. I'd agree with that, would you? Yeah, yes, yeah. There are several ways that marketing personalization can be implemented in retail. One way is through targeted email campaigns where retailers send personalized emails to customers based on their previous purchases or browsing history. These emails can include personalized product recommendations, discounts, or other incentives that are tailored to each customer's interests and needs. Bingo, Gary? Yeah. Yeah. Another way that marketing personalization can be implemented is through personalized product recommendations on a retailer's website or mobile app. By using machine learning algorithms to analyze a customer's purchase and browsing history, retailers can offer product recommendations that are tailored to the customer's preferences and interests. Yeah. Check mark on that. Marketing personalization can also be implemented through personalized advertising. By using customer data to target advertising campaigns, retailers can ensure that their advertising messages are delivered to the right customers at the right time. Increasing the likelihood of conversion. Yeah. yeah. In summary, marketing power personalization is a powerful tool that can help businesses to connect with customers on a more individual level by offering personalized experiences. Retailers can increase customer loyalty, improve conversion rates, and drive overall revenue growth. This sounds like a pitch for a company that I know.
1: Yes, it does. Doesn't <laughs> it?
0: Right. That's that's amazing. So so I'd, yes. I'd say I'd say GPD did. out of 10 on that answer?
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, here's here's a question uh, I have for ChatGPT about the possibility of AI, right? If I gave you a shopper's purchase history and a catalog of items sold in the store, would you be able to recommend products that the shopper has not yet purchased, but is likely interested in. This is, you know, where everybody's trying to increase basket, right? Here's what ChatGPT says, as an AI language model, I can analyze a shopper's purchase history and a catalog of items sold in the store to recommend products. This is often referred to as product recommendation or product recommendation engine. To make accurate product recommendations, machine learning algorithms can be used to analyze the purchase and browsing history, as well as other relevant data points, such as demographic information, location, and seasonal trends. By using this data, the algorithm can identify patterns and correlations that help to predict what products the customer is likely to be interested in. And it keeps going, you know, the several approaches to this collaborative filtering, filtering, content based filtering, hybrid approaches. Yeah. But, you know, I'd say nine plus on 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, again, it it did a a very good job of uh, answering that.
0: Right. Hmm. So um, let's say, would you be able to detect customer? So it says, as an AI language model, I can analyze customer data and identify patterns that may indicate customer churn, which in the process where a customer stops doing business with a company or stops buying their product. Detecting customer churn is an important task for retailers as it helps them to proactively address issues that retain customers before they leave. And I think you know, for most retailers, they want to do this. They want they want to take action before somebody has lapsed. Oh,
1: right? absolutely. Getting
0: clear indications that somebody is tending in that direction, helps you to intervene. There are several indicators of customer churn that can be analyzed using machine learning, including a decrease in purchase frequency, a decrease in the average order value, decrease in engagement with marketing campaigns or a decrease in the number of visits to a store or website. I mean, these all seem like total common sense, but to be able to automate this and do this is I guess where the magic lies, right Gary?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Sugar, let's just take a second and talk about what if if we were to do that. What's happening behind the scenes? Because you know, you you we started out by you providing sort of an overall high level view of GPT and how it works. Um, you know, uh, words that appear together, etc. So it's it would be looking at the purchase frequency of different items. Purchase- right. Dates, so it's understanding frequency, and then um, using that to,
0: yeah, so I think I think what you what we have to remember here is that since it's a language model. It converts everything it receives into these what we call word embeddings, right? Yeah. some kind of vectors. And what it's really trying to do at the end of the day is trying to figure out what is the most likely next word given the previous words. So when you ask it a question about what else a customer could buy, what it's really trying to do under the hood is trying to predict. Okay, based on this question, what is the uh, next most likely item that I should present to it? Yeah. And uh, so if you if you if you train it on the right data, right. So if you if you if you've given it catalog of what the customer buys with additional descriptions of those products, right? And uh, maybe history of several other customers who bought those kind of products. Yeah. It is then able to do a good matching and saying, hey, based on what I've learned, here's what I think this customer is able to buy. Now, obviously, this is easier said than done, and I'm kind of converting this into kindergarten level. But I believe that you know, with enough data, these things can do anything.
1: So so I've read of a what appears to be a growing number of companies that are using generative AI like this, but training it on their own language models, right? Using their own data from their business. So instead of using the open internet and, you know, right. however many terabytes of data, Businesses are training the models on their own sets of data.
0: That is absolutely right, Gary. And thats I think that's where you start. So I think there's two types here um, that you can think about. So you have purpose-built engines, right? So I've heard of people building out like uh, medical AIs, right? Which are trained on just a lot of medical literature. Um, And so it's trying to be as accurate as possible. In fact, today I read a news article about a, um, about the advice that ChatGPT gpt gave was far more accurate than what a majority of, you know, a lot of doctors would have given for a specific situation. And clearly okay. it has access to more data. So I think if you train it on specific data, I think then the only context under which it answers those questions is based on the data that is pulled in. So it's not it's able, fine. yeah, it's not too broad.
1: Right. right, right.
0: So, so I think, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I can see a day where you have an AI that you feed all your retailer-specific data into, right? Yeah. And you can ask it a question, and it's able to generate answers based on your own data. Yes, right? and yep. with some ability to do some verification and fact-checking, I think you can have a model that's, you know, incredibly valuable, right?
1: So, so, so could you take that thought in another direction? Could I, as an individual, effectively feed it all of my data, my emails, my calendar, my to-do list, my contact list, my search history on the, the web, et cetera, and turn it into or help it to become almost an intelligent agent for
0: me? Completely, Gary. I, I think, I don't think it's far. And I think maybe this is a great idea for an entrepreneur out there listening to even do. If I had a tool where I could connect it into my, like an aggregation engine, or I give it all my social media handle, yeah. give it my email handle, you know, whatever it is. And it's able to suck in all that information, aggregate it in one place and use it as the basis for training an AI. Yeah, I, 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 you know, gets my calendar, gets all of my stuff and contacts, whatever it is, right. all the information that I hold. I don't see why you can't have a personalized assistant that's essentially you Yeah. for yeah. practical purposes.
1: No, no, that's right.
0: That's right. So, yeah, you know, pretty soon, you know, we would have guests on our retail person. We wouldn't be sure if it's a real person or they would pass the Turing test, so to say. <laughs>
1: So so interestingly, I just spoke to a company the other day uh, that is a big player in the world of uh, video, like live shopping and that type thing. They have now secured uh, IP around combining AI-generated video with generative AI systems such that they are able to customize a video message, right, using... A, these AI tools. So it's it's mass customization of video that can be personalized to a million, 10 million different shoppers, for example.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why not. So I'm going to ask you one more question here, Gary. What are the benefits of having a loyalty program at a retail chain? And let's see if it things that are benefits. It says there are several benefits of having a loyalty program, including increased customer retention. Yeah. Loyalty programs provide incentives for customers to keep coming back to the store, which can increase customer retention, reduce customer churn. Improved customer engagement by offering rewards and incentives. Loyalty programs can increase customer engagement and encourage customers to interact more frequently the store or brand, excuse me. Enhanced customer insights. Loyalty programs can provide retailers with valuable data about their customers' behavior and preferences, including purchase history, demographics, product preferences. This data can be used to personalize marketing messages and improve the overall customer experience. Increase customer spend. Yeah. Improved brand advocacy. Better inventory management. I mean, yeah. like, hit it out of the park on this
1: yeah. one. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it.
0: Yeah, that's it, right? I mean, if somebody were to come in here and had a question on should I have loyalty in my store or not? I mean, I think the answer is pretty obvious from what I can see here, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm gonna ask it, what is the best kind of loyalty program for a retail chain? So for a retailer to implement. I know there's people who do different kinds, but let's see what ChatGPT says. Yeah. Wow. So it says the best kind of loyalty programs for a retailer to implement depends on several factors, including the retailer's business model, target market, and overall goals. That being said, there are several types of loyalty programs that have been shown to be effective for retailers. One, points-based programs. Two, tiered programs. Three, cashback programs. or coalition programs. Wow. That's amazing. Each of them has yeah. details, and I'm not going to go through this. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can read it. But essentially, we know what points spreads programs, tiered programs, cashback. And- yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's, it's
0: that's pretty a pretty complete list.
1: Yeah. No, uh, it's-
0: What it does say is when designing a loyalty program, it's important to keep in mind the specific goals and needs of the retailer, as well as the preferences and behavior of their target market. The best kind of loyalty program is one that is tailored to the unique needs of the retailer and their customers, and that provides a clear and compelling value proposition to customers. And I think that last part is really important because a lot of people design programs that could be too complicated for people to understand. I think yes. having a clear and compelling value proposition is probably the most important thing, in my opinion.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that, yeah. that gets more people participating, more people understanding the program, more people getting excited about the program. Yeah. Which concerns me about some of the loyalty programs that I see out there, that they, they started off really strong and then they start getting really complicated. I, I've yeah, seen that, yeah. Gary. I don't know if you noticed, but with some of these airline programs, just to be very simple. You fly a certain yeah. number of miles, you get you get these miles, and you get status. Now right. they're kind of confused with these points and dollars spent, and it's
1: just and and different credit cards and partners and yeah, it's it's
0: it made it very complicated. You yeah. know, I don't have any airline executive out there listening, but you know, you got to simplify this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but same lesson applies to retail. That's right. And and it's uh, a point well taken that retailers would do well to keep it straightforward, easy to understand, and focus on you know, defining the right value proposition to drive and encourage engagement.
0: So I'm going to ask it a big question. I don't know what the answer is to this. I'm going to ask ask it, are digital coupons an effective tool for marketing in grocery retail? So it says, this is not me. This is ChatGPT. Yes, digital coupons can be a very effective tool for marketing in grocery retail. Digital coupons offer several advantages over traditional paper coupons, including, one, convenience, two, personalization, three, real-time tracking, four, cost effectiveness, five, increased engagement, six, reduced fraud. Overall, digital coupons can be effective for grocery retailers looking to increase sales, improve customer engagement, and build loyalty by providing personalized and convenient offers to customers. Retailers can encourage them to make more frequent and larger purchases while also improving overall customer experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling embarrassed to continue with this because this is all we've been talking about on the retail show. the last two <laughs> years.
1: I'm So all we have to do is give Chair uh, GPT a voice and... Uh... and
0: but uh, this is fascinating. I mean, I think if you were just yeah. a retailer and go on and you were looking for generic information, I think there's a ton of information here, right? But when it comes to factual stuff, you know, there can be some issues, right? When we found out. uh, And so I'm going to ask the question, uh, where was it, Gary? What is the Retail Perch?
1: Let's see. see. Uh, Tell me about the Retail Perch podcast.
0: Okay. So I just, so listen, I just asked it, what is the Retail Perch? (laughs) It said, the Retail Perch is a podcast about retail technology and trends. Correct. So far. Yep. Hosted by Steve Horniak and Matt Gunn. I guess you're Steve and I'm Matt? Is that what it is? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It must be. Okay. The podcast explores various topics related to the retail industry, including e-commerce, omnichannel retail, customer experience, and emerging technologies. Good. Each episode features interviews with industry experts and thought leaders, as well as discussions on current events and trends in the retail world. Good. The retail perch aims to provide valuable insights and perspective for retailers, technology providers, and anyone else interested in the ever-changing landscape of retail. So I think it got everything right, except by, except the hosted by. So yes, I'm going to sure. go check my driver's license to make sure my name didn't change recently to one of these yes. two, <laughs> yes. but clearly, you know, there are some facts that right. it doesn't quite get right. And so if you're using chat GPT and expecting uh, answers that are going to check out factually, it may be wrong. It seems to do pretty well with concepts though.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it does. And I, I guess, depending upon what the subject is, the facts can be correct. Right. Cause I've read of ChatGPT, GPT, you know, for example, passing the bar exam, right. That someone loaded up, uh, or, you know, uh, MCATs, the medical test.
0: Right. Uh, um, So I'm gonna ask it a uh, very simple question. Uh, Which is healthier, a carbonated sugared beverage or plain water? And let's see what it says. Uh, Plain water is generally considered to be healthier. Generally, come on, it's always (laughs) a sugared beverage. Here are a few reasons why. Hydration, water is essential for proper functioning of the body, calories, sugar content, Nutrient content. Yeah, so I guess it got it right. So I think maybe you would do okay. I I have seen people use it for recipes. Yeah, I have uh, these four ingredients. Can you suggest a recipe that would work with that? So I think it's terrific for things like that. So I think that's really where it starts shining is where since it's trying to put coherent words together, if you're asking for something specific, it tries to tailor it to that, that question, which is you know, what has given rise to this new profession out there, Gary, called prompt engineering, right? yeah. you know, which is how to ask the question in a way that prompts ChatGPT to give you an answer that's useful.
1: Yeah, to get the best response.
0: Correct, correct, yeah. right? So uh, anyway, I think that was super interesting. I just wanted to let you guys know that it's an incredibly powerful tool, um, but uh, there is, clear limitations in terms of what it can do. If you're depending on factual answers, I think you will be disappointed in some cases. A lot of times it does do right. I mean, yep. if you can, if you ask it to um, provide a list of the all-time MLB team, it'll probably give you an answer that's really interesting that will spark a lot of conversations. Uh, but if you start asking it questions which are pure fact-based, then it may get it wrong. But uh, all in all, I think incredible tool, Gary.
1: Yeah. Oh, it, it, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I find myself using it fairly often for different things um, as I think a lot of people are, but if, if nothing else, as we talked about early on, you know, I, I think G, G, GPT is a, absolutely triggered uh, explosive interest in the use of AI.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, as a, as a to sign off, I asked ChatGPT. I said, "Thanks for participating as a guest on the Retail Perch." And ChatGPT said, "You're welcome. It was a pleasure to participate and share my knowledge about retail technology and trends. If you or your listeners have any further questions or topics they'd like me to discuss, feel free to reach out anytime." <laughs> I guess that was that was a nice guest. Uh, yeah. So listen, it's, it's been it's been terrific chatting with you guys. And I'm sure we'll pick up a few more prompts with ChatGPT in the ongoing episodes. And, uh, but we will have more guests, but hopefully you enjoyed our guest this time. Now, Gary, any other closing thoughts?
1: Okay, no, I think it was a a very interesting uh, episode uh, today. And I'm sure we can invite uh, ChatGPT back at some point in the future for another uh, guest appearance.
0: No, I I don't think there's an issue with calendar conflicts here at all. So... (laughs) easy to do that well folks it's been great talking to you again back here again and we should be back here pretty soon with some exciting guests but before that it's a bye from gary and me shekharam thank you make sure to join us every monday and connect with us at the retail perch on instagram and facebook
1: and if you have any questions, feel free to email us at the retail perch at birdseye.com.
0: Until next time, this is Shaker.
1: And this is Gary, signing off.